Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Hyams of John Wilkerson, and we head to the Stanley Fencing and Gates hotline as we get to say hello to Vince Ferrara. Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. Normally, it's Tuesday at 4, but Vince has been calling so many runs scored for Tennessee baseball over the last couple of days, it actually works as a nice respite here on Thursday before another full weekend on the Diamond. Vince, how are you? It all works together, John. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. And it was uh, something to watch that merry-go-round spin, especially as Jimmy highlighted in his news and notes. 11 runs in the last inning at bat for Tennessee on Tuesday. Eight runs in the first inning on Wednesday. That's a lot of offense. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe it was 15 went to bat in that 11th inning in uh, on Tuesday. And I think it was 12 that came to bat in uh, in the first inning, so that's a lot of guys coming to play. I mean, that's like 27. That's like a no-hitter a complete game. <laughs> you know, 27 guys coming up, although far fewer outs. It, yeah. was, um, it was ridiculous. And, you know, Tennessee patient, drawing a lot of walks. They drew 14 in yesterday's game. Um, and, yeah, it, it extended the game for sure, and you know, Pine Bluff, it was their first games. They were supposed to have three games in New Orleans last weekend, and it, the, with weather, it didn't end up happening. So um, they, you know, they're not the, the best team in, in their league. They even last year um, struggled at 6-12. and 12. So a lot of young players, a lot of JUCO. So it, it, what, they weren't even close to what Georgia Southern is. You got to see them, John. Uh, against a, a you know an awfully good Georgia Southern team, they'll be very good in their league. Uh, Pine Bluff was not that, so Tennessee needed to take care of business, and they certainly did. Something tells me though that uh, your crafty Image Matters produced scorebook was up to the challenge for all the offense you saw over the last two days. <laughs> it was, and as you've seen, John, um, most years I will tweak it, and you know, always tried new things and adjust it and uh to uh you know to the things that that work for for me and you can do it for what works for you whether it's maybe you want to get score sheets for going to to ball games or uh or anything else they can help you with your project you tell them what you want and it's amazing that the quality of work that they do making sure that you're on top of things that that you want and it's exactly like you want it and then the quality, customer service, it's all there. So I always use them, and the, the scorebook certainly was uh, was thanks to Image Matters. Vince, regarding last night's Tennessee-Vanderbilt game, I thought it was sort of a, a blasé performance by the Vols. Didn't think they played very well. Vanderbilt had two its two best players that did not play in the game. Your, your thoughts on the contest last night? Well, it wasn't a type of performance that gives you any sort of encouragement that anything is changing here late in the year, honestly. I mean, I, I know you can say, well, they got back on the winning track and, you know, the SEC network and some of their analysts were, were putting a positive spin on it, and you're welcome to do that. But the eye test tells me win or loss that this Tennessee team isn't isn't making any progress. They're, you know, the players are speaking positively that, look, we're you know, once we clear that up, we're going to be good. But I – you know, I, I don't see the signs, enough of the signs, that, especially in that game, that anything's really changing that much. just a matter of 
you know, the yo-yo and is the, there are enough guys on the up yo-yo to where you get to, you know, win a game. And they just so happen to have a extremely depleted opponent that had been playing better, but is still worse in the league. And it just wasn't good enough. It was, to me, I didn't see enough of it with the eye test that tells me that they're making progress or starting to turn it on for the postseason. It, it's a it's a long list of things, Jimmy, as you know, but it did, to me it was not a good enough opponent with the turnovers and the stretches without scoring and uh, just the bad plays. Like I, I, Rick Barnes wasn't asked about it in the postgame because we had a little bit of an abbreviated postgame, but maybe we'll ask him on Monday. I, I thought it was it, it was just absolutely baffling that Tennessee was not prepared for an inbounds late in the first half. And the official had put the ball down and started yeah. his count. And somebody had to run over to pick the ball up, side Jordan James, and, and inbound it. And luckily they were able to get it in in time. But that, to me, shows you that this team with experienced players and then young players that have played almost a full season – that there are just too many of those lapses in focus and in understanding and awareness that it's hard to have a ton of confidence in, in them long-term. Yeah. And, uh, and Fulkerson continues to be a bit of a mystery because he wasn't productive at all last night. No. And, you know, look, I try, when I talked to him for the uh, long network pregame interview last night and, um, and I, I tried different ways to try to see if he would divulge or or share uh, any sort of, of insider hint as to what it is. And the only thing that I got out of it and talking to him about it in various different ways, and he's he's always been great with me. I think he's great with the media overall. Um, you hate to see it because he's a, a super kid. Um, but my biggest takeaway from talking to him and asking him about his struggles is that he doesn't know. And I, because he, he talked about whether it's preparation or whether it's confidence or, or whatever it is, he, he, he said, it's on me. And I, he said, if I knew what it was, I, I would do it and figure it out and, and change it. But I think he's at a loss, and when you're at a loss for what to do, to me, I read into that confidence, whether it's, that's from within in his game or because there's other guys and he maybe deferred early in the year and couldn't get it back, um, or you know that maybe the coaching staff doesn't, maybe he feels like the coaching staff, because they don't run offense through him, doesn't believe in him anymore like they did last year. I, I don't I don't know, but that was my biggest takeaway is I don't think he knows. So it, that's what makes it hard. And Rick Barnes kind of alluded to it also, and you guys know that, in where they're, they're kind of they're, – Barnes talked about them really digging in to try to figure it out, and they can't. And so maybe he's just not not sharing it with anyone and keeping whatever is – is the true root of the of the issue internal, but that was my biggest thing is that he doesn't know and he can't fix it right now because he hadn't been able to figure it out. We saw Victor Bailey snap out of his slump and he's playing with confidence now. Do you think Fulkerson could 
event could do that this year? I think it's just good. I think Kenny have a, a positive game like against, I guess it was South Carolina. Yeah, I think you might see him have a, a spike up type of game, but I don't think you're going to see like a Victor Bailey where he's he's going to be able to be right there and leading them in points and the shots are, are falling. He Bailey is is a more of a volume shooter. There's more opportunities on the perimeter now for him. Uh, I, I think they're giving him that a little bit more of a green light to be aggressive offensively, which I think is the right thing to do because of their struggles. And when you have guys that are making shots, I'm not discouraging guys that can make shots from taking shots right now. Um, Barnes kind of alluded to in the post game that, that Springer is trying to get a lot of people involved and maybe too much. So I want to see some of these guys that, you know, whether it's Springer and Bailey and Johnson, I'd like to see them be a little bit more selfish and aggressive. And I think sometimes, Jimmy, with this offense, I think that this team is – they have such a an unselfish mindset and a run of the offense like the coaches want mentality that they – to me, it takes them away from their basketball instincts and strengths Some a lot of times because they're thinking about what's the next thing I'm supposed to do in uh, in in the offense and where am I supposed to go. And it, it doesn't seem like it's natural for these guys right now. And sure, when that offense is working to a T, it, it's tough to beat. It's been effective through the years. Those guys know basketball. But for whatever reason, this group, this team, to me, looks like their mind ties their feet and they're not able to freely play basketball. And they certainly, as we talked about before, they don't have somebody to just snap them out of cold spells because they're all they see they're playing like they're trying to execute the offense instead of trying to beat the opponent, score points, and be effective and this is all on the offensive end in the half court so i i think teams have been too successful in taking fulkerson out to answer your question long-winded jimmy i apologize but i, I do think that bailey is more equipped to be able to continue it and, and you may have a spike up from john fulkerson but there will probably be too many uh other games to where they, they won't be able to get him buckets because they're especially because they're not going really through him like they tried to do earlier that's vince ferrara his appearance brought to you by waters equipment we've got a final segment of this first hour of sports talk coming up as you listen to sports talk on 99.1 the sports animal here at the sports animal we never really grew up we just learned how to act in public most of the time Final segment to this first hour of Sports Talk, our guest, Vince Ferrara, his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. If you have a question or comment for Vince, 656-9900, 656-9900-STAR-990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. And Vince, while we got just a quick moment here, uh, what can folks look forward to Friday night with you and Tim Loy on In the Cage? 
We are going to look back on last weekend's UFC Fight Night, preview this Saturday's UFC Fight Night, and we're going to break down the other national promotions besides the UFC. We Because the UFC has been the only promotion that's been uh, operating here since late in 2020, and they do it every week and have biggest shows, and they are the big draw in the sport. There are other really entertaining national promotions that are out there, and so we're going to talk about the differences in those other promotions, what their futures are, what their roster looks like, and just inform a lot of the MMA fans that maybe follow those but not closely what those other promotions are all about, kind of rank them a little bit, have some fun in talking uh, another promotion outside of the UFC until they get going here in 2021. So uh, loaded show Friday night, 8 to 9 here on 99.1, the Sports Animal, and anywhere you get your podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast as well. And then also, uh, if folks don't already do it, they should make a daily routine of visiting 991thesportsanimal.com, correct? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, uh, everybody, all our hosts do a great job in talking about all the podcasts that are there and the streaming options for you. Those are uh, you know, rock-solid reasons to go to the website, but there's a lot of content that we put up there every day on UT, on the SEC, uh, and and just uh, even national. You can find out. There's videos there for anything you miss from a national standpoint. Uh, All the menus, spend some time on the menu section with all the different options for you in terms of of podcast blogs, uh, Jimmy's blogging frequently, and and a number of us do – There's a ton of UT information, but a lot of other stuff besides that. So spend some time on it, and you can I'm I'm sure we'll find a lot of daily new content there that uh, you'll appreciate, enjoy, and uh, again we'll we update it and uh, and have new content on there daily. So make it a stop. Ninety nine one thesportsanimal.com. That's Vince Ferrara. Again, his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We'll get a break. We have another half hour with Vince, and up next, hour number two of Sports Talk begins on 99.1, The Sports Animal. This is the home of accurate, factual sports information. Sports Talk with John Wilkerson and Jimmy Himes on 99.1, The Sports Animal. Number two of Sports Talk begins with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, as he's with us for another half hour. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. Vince joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. If you have a question or comment for Vince, 656-9900, 656-9900. Vince, we have uh, seen some more additions to Josh Heupel's staff on the defensive side. Uh, it's about to be rounded out still opposed to a uh, to get completed there, but what have you thought about how that side of the football has taken shape over the last week or so? Yeah, it's uh, it's gone, I think, pretty well under the circumstances and about what you would, would hope for for Tennessee because it has some Power 5 representation. It has guys that have recruited down here in this area as well. Uh, Brian Jean Mary, who was uh, announced coming over from from Michigan, he's another one that has plenty of uh, of experience and on the Power Five level. Uh, very good recruiter and um, and one that 
is the similar style to what Josh Heupel has talked about that he wants on that side of the ball, and that's a very aggressive approach. It's what Tim Banks is about with his defense as the the D.C. So I I think you're seeing guys that kind of fit the big-picture plan that Josh Heupel has talked about and seemingly is executing here as well. You know, Willie Martinez is one that was anticipated that he would have an excellent chance of landing on the staff. Jimmy's talked about it and reported on it, and that ended up happening. Um, and and you know, I think, obviously, Rodney Garner has SEC and Power 5 experience and familiar with the University of Tennessee. So I, I think under the circumstances, it's a good balance and a good group considering so many of the UCF and younger guys on uh, on the offensive side of the ball so I think they needed that balance, and it's an it's obviously a very important side for Josh Heupel to get right. They're, they, they're not going to win anything big or win championships if they can't defend in addition to running a, a high-powered offense, as different as it might end up being and as more entertaining as it might end up being to me unless they still can do some things on defense they're not going to get to the elite level that Heupel is talking about in all his media appearances right now and talking about championships. You still need dudes, and you still need to be able to make some plays. The days of of just the best defense wins, those are gone. But just having a high-powered offense is not going to be enough. So they they need a really good staff. And um, as you mentioned, still one staff member to – to be added to that group, probably at, at the linebacker position and splitting that up. And, um, you know, interesting to see what they do with it. But I, I think it's come along uh, as a pretty good experience group under the circumstances. Let's go to the phones where Ray joins us. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Ray. Hey, just uh, thanks for taking my call. I just uh, stole my thunder down. I am a little pleased. Uh, I, I've called in uh, – several times over the last three or four years of uh, some of the decisions that the uh, chancellor and the president made on their, some of the staff members, coaches, and stuff, displeased with a lot of that. I think everybody probably knows what I'm talking about. But I, I think yeah, I think the chancellor, is, I, I like what she said. I like what she's done. And I like the uh, president. uh I think some of the moves that they're making, I hope it works. We don't know for sure if it will, but I do like what they're doing. And uh, uh, from day one, from getting an offensive guy in there, and I'm very pleased about that. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of fans, including myself, has been very disappointed on some of the decisions that we made in the past, and I just hope we uh, overcome that and uh, looking forward for the future. Uh, the second thing I had is questions about you guys might know more insight on uh, the quarterback out of Tennessee that he put. I think he said he's going to kill it Friday, I think. Uh, yep. I don't know if you guys have heard anything or anything. Well, he might be leading to. Jimmy, we were talking about Ty Simpson earlier this week. I heard he's leaning to Alabama and Clemson second. I think it's going to be difficult for Tennessee to get him. Well, I just – that would be a good shot, buddy, on the recruiting trail, not just because of him, but because of a lot of other kids there in Memphis area 
they're pretty close knit. What I understand that uh, maybe he'll maybe he'll pull uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, the coaching staff will pull a rabbit out of the hat and get him again. Maybe, but I thought maybe if he did the, if he postponed it, that could be good for us. If he's committing early like this, it, that may be bad, you know. So uh, we'll see. Y'all have a good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Ray, sure do appreciate it. Thank you. And again, to join us, 656-9900, 656-9900. Vince, what do you think in terms of how the staff, Josh Heupel, and the uh, assembling staff uh, have handled their initial forays onto the recruiting trail? How do you think they're doing when it comes to trying to make contact, get to know guys that Tennessee might have already been in on um, from the previous staff, as well as what is a very highly regarded in-state class of 22? Well, it sounds like it's a similar style to what they believe in on the field, and that's aggressive. And they have been a, a very aggressive with Ty Simpson. And by the way, real quick on him, I agree with, with Jimmy from everything I've heard and read, quotes from interviews that, that he has done. Sounds like Alabama, Clemson, probably in, in that area. He said Nick Saban has talked to him every day, and he's going to do a Zoom with him. He, he thinks again tonight. Um, you know, Clemson feels like family and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, those are the elite programs. And now he's been bumped up on 24-7. He's been bumped up to uh, a five-star also. So, um, you know, it's it, it sounds like he was leaning towards Tennessee when Jeremy Pruitt was the coach. And then when things changed, I think it, it clarified things for him. Uh, but they're trying uh, with, with Ty Simpson. And, and here's another thing for, for Ray and for others. It, yes, it's not, it's not great that he's making this decision so early in the 2021, but we got a long way to get to that early signing period. Yep. So even if he commits, I would say it's over. What are we going to do? I think Tennessee will continue to recruit him. You have that in-state sort of dream school in your back pocket that he's envisioned himself playing for and that's always there and I don't know if it might take some early results on the field or just more of a relationship building and just the time to do so but I, I wouldn't give up on that possibility even if it makes a decision now pulling someone from Alabama and Clemson that's not easy to do, especially because Clemson doesn't get decommits. I mean, very, very few, one or two since Dabo Sweeney's been there. It's ridiculous. So that is very, very tough to do. But I still, you have to at least uh, keep that in mind as a possibility. Uh, in terms of the rest of the recruiting, I mean, they're they're in contact with a lot of different guys, and you know, the in-state uh, in-state recruiting. Um, they're still building those relationships. Uh, Andrew Chambly, who is a four-star uh, offensive lineman from Arkansas, uh, he's one that's heard from the staff and, and expects to continue to build uh, the relationship there. And he, Tennessee's in his final group of about seven. Um, he's not as big as some other uh, of the offensive linemen, but I think I think that's an indication of the athleticism that they're looking for from their tackles, especially. So uh, it, it's it's in sync with what they do and believe in on the field, and that's aggressive, and they need to be, especially because they haven't had a full staff to work with in recruiting uh, here, while Heupel has slowly put his his staff together. 
Vince, the offensive staff was made available to the media recently. What were the couple of things that stood out to you? Well, a couple of things. First, how much, how frequently those coaches talked about what a genius Josh Heupel is <laughs> offensively, and they weren't afraid to throw that around. Also, they talked about, and I know a lot of coaches talk about this, but I sensed it being authentic with them because they gave some, they cited some examples, and that's adjusting what you do to your personnel. And to me, the best coaching staffs do that. Now, they have a system, but I think they still have adaptive uh, portions of what they do to adjust. They may have their, they have their concepts, they have their beliefs, their style of play. They're not going to change that for individual players. However, there are things that they can adjust based on the personnel they have. Now, the key is the quarterback, because if you have the quarterback, you can still have all of, you can still execute your core principles and beliefs and putting a lot on those quarterbacks. And that's something that Joey Halsley did talk about, the quarterbacks coach, and how much they do put on the quarterbacks. They're not sitting there calling every single play every time. They're they're putting uh, some decision-making, a lot of decision-making on those quarterbacks. So there's some growing pains early on, but then it's really fun for them. And guess what? When it's fun for the quarterback and they're invested in it, then they're going to continue to put in the work and they're going to impact their teammates around them rather than really tying them up and only having half-field reads and and looking over their shoulder, am I going to get yelled at and things like that. I think that trust does pay off, but you have to have the right guy at that quarterback position. And then uh, in, a, in adapting to personnel, uh, I think it, w- it was Alex Golish, the OC, that mentioned that you know there's been times on, on the staff that he's been on that they really believe in using the tight ends and using them for mismatches, things like that, splitting them out and doing a lot of different things with them. But he said there's been times where we haven't had every down tight ends on our roster. So you know what? We didn't try to force feed on that. We used them in different ways to still work within our offense. And uh, also, Halsley did talk about how they don't – it's not an absolute in terms of a running type of quarterback. It's something that is big in today's football, um, and it's a big trait for them, but it's not the only way that they can do what they want to do offensively. But, again, I think that will go into the skill set of the – the person that they want in that spot, not necessarily, well, we we have to incorporate a bunch of designed runs from that position. I think there is adapt a lot of adaptability. And hearing that from numerous coaches, Ben LRB and, and others, really like Cody Burns. I think he's going to be a, a terrific coach. So I, I, I like the staff. I like what I heard from them. And they all do seem to be in sync with that overall theme of, hey, we have a system and that we all believe in that, that Josh Heupel does and knows the game, but we also can adapt to our personnel, and I don't think there's been enough of that on UT's campus in a while. A quick note uh, with basketball, the SEC announced that the makeup games for the weekend of March 6th and 7th 
Florida will play at Tennessee. That is the only Sunday game. Uh, the other games, six of them, are going to be played on Saturday. Your thoughts about Florida at Tennessee on Sunday, March 7th? Wow. Yeah, that uh, that's interesting. Um, I, I I don't know why. Do you have a theory as to why that game is is on a Sunday versus the rest of them being on Saturday, Jimmy? No, other than I think they might project that those two teams won't be playing or uh, might be getting a double bye. So well, right now, Tennessee is in the – Tennessee's in the five spot. Florida's in the four spot, I believe, to where Florida would get the double buy. Tennessee would not. Well, at least so, they buy. At least they buy. So, yeah. But, but right. I don't know why they you buy. don't play them all on Saturday. Maybe yeah. it was TV inventory. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, unless um, – are they going to get another makeup game during the week next week? I mean, I, I don't Well, I don't they've know. already scheduled those um, games, so the answer is – right now the answer is no. Unless Tennessee's going to try to play right. on Thursday, <laughs> but they've already scheduled well, I mean, the March play two on and three Sunday. games. Right. Well, they play on Sunday, so I guess I guess a Thursday Sunday wouldn't be that different from a Wednesday Saturday. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, but I would rather I would rather shoehorn shoehorn it uh, with a couple of regular season games together versus too close to the SEC tournament. Uh, but uh, but that's that's interesting. It was anticipated that Tennessee would get one more home game, um, and so yeah, Florida would would be the one since they lost that from from earlier in the year. Our guest Vince Ferrara, his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We'll get a break. A final segment with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on ninety nine point one, the Sports Animal. From the Budweiser Studios of the Sports Animal. Put my bed in Taz nineteen. There's no shame in that. We are 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Vince Ferrara. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. He joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. If you have a question or comment for Vince, you'd like to get in under the wire, 656-9900, 656-9900. And, Vince, so much swirling about in terms of big orange country in regards to so many teams in action. Uh, it, this is really a very active time when you consider you've got baseball and softball getting fired up. Uh, both basketball teams, uh, we think, pointed in the direction of the uh, conference tournaments if they all keep going So uh, in that direction. So what? Uh, how exciting is it when you have all of this going on and it seems like a different news story almost on the hour? Absolutely. It is, it's busy, and, and for, for some, I tell them that I think this time of year, I know for me, might be the busiest time of the year. I know the assumption is football, and it is very busy with obviously college football and covering UT and then high school football doing those games and then tracking and talking about the NFL as well. But um, right now with the two basketball teams and no sports closing out their season and then, you know, all the excitement of baseball and softball on the front end and you know, then when that in that there's just a little bit of time, uh, potentially where you're getting into conference play while there's postseason play, and then it ramps up even more. You don't always get that overlap, but then that takes it to a whole nother level of intensity. So, yeah, it is fantastic. And look, if if there's 
longer baseball slash softball overlap with men's and women's basketball at UT, then that means things are going pretty well. That's a great point. And it's uh, the NFL never stops, and we're to a mock draft season. Uh, what do you think in terms of Mel Kuyper's uh, initial out the, throwing out there where he's got um, – what do you think in terms of all five quarterbacks, half the top ten picks he has as quarterbacks? Do you think that'll be the case? Well, he's doing something that more and more of the national analysts, especially the ones that have been doing it a long time, are starting to do, and that's incorporate trades into their mock drafts. Remember, for the longest time, Mel Kuyper wouldn't even, for a while in his, mock, his early mock drafts, he wouldn't even put underclassmen there until they officially declared. And, you know, so he's advanced that, and now he's putting trades and all kinds of things. Man, it's, it's so hard to project those trades. But I think the point is is that he, he, he anticipates and I think Todd McShay was similar to it, that people are going to make moves for these quarterbacks. He has five in his top ten and making moves to go get them, including the Atlanta Falcons, who still have a pretty decent quarterback in Matt Ryan, moving up to number two for BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. And then, uh, and then Kyle Pitts going as high as I've seen him, at number four to the New York Jets as the tight end from Florida. And then the 49ers making a trade to get up and get Justin Fields. Mac Jones for the Carolina Panthers at eight from Alabama. And then Trey Lance from North Dakota State to the New England Patriots, which wouldn't surprise you. Uh, and there's, it's, that is so fascinating, not only just the drafting and all the options that are there potentially for those quarterbacks, but then the off-season moves that are there with so much turnover and shuffling of the chairs that is is expected with all of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Just a lot of aspects of it that are are fascinating. And the point is true that there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks that go early. Maybe one guy will fall. That happens sometimes. But I think you'll see, you'll continue to see those mock drafts with those quarterbacks up there. It'll just be with different teams. And you also had a ton of SEC players, which is no surprise. 12 and I think six of them from Alabama. So those are things that are consistent regardless of how many quarterbacks are in the mix. Yeah. Now, as you just highlighted with the, the quarter, the teams that are putting themselves in the quarterback sweepstakes, so to speak, there's one that has surprised me just a little bit. And in, in being the longtime NFL report panelist that you are, what do you think in terms of Carolina being connected as a team that might want to be as aggressive as any in trying to get Deshaun Watson from the Texans or, as you just highlighted, perhaps working a trade to move up to draft a quarterback when we get to that point later this year, and yet they went out and signed Teddy Bridgewater before last season? I didn't think Bridgewater played badly at all. I thought he was okay. I just wonder. It makes it sound like they've already thought that Bridgewater is not their guy. Do you get that same vibe? Yeah, I think it clearly says what they think of, of Teddy Bridgewater. It doesn't mean that they think he sucks. It just <laughs> doesn't. But it's we don't know how that relationship with their offensive staff went with Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe maybe there's some things that that you know he had to freelance and do that he ended up making plays. But you know they wanted him to do other things to where you know maybe he end, he end up getting a positive play for 12 yards, but he would miss on a throw 
and a read that could have gotten them potentially a, a touchdown or you know a forty yard play. So those are the things that we don't know. So I I, I think at the very least they want to explore the upgrading. Um, and with Deshaun Watson and then Matt Jones potentially there at Carolina. Matt Jones, because of his numbers at Alabama this year, some people made the comparisons to Joe Brady. Well, you know, isn't Joe it, uh, excuse me, Joe Burrow, yeah. but isn't that what Brady is there? To, you know, as uh, you know, as that OC, that's what um, you know he had with Joe Burrow at LSU. So. I I think they they are looking for an upgrade at that position, even if there's nothing wrong with Teddy Bridgewater. And man, I, I know in New Orleans, I would take Teddy. If I'm New Orleans, I would take Teddy Bridgewater over either of their two quarterbacks they have right now. If if Drew Brees does end up retiring, he would be an upgrade. And oh wait, you already had him there once. <laughs> hey Vince, we really Sorry, appreciate that. <laughs> I don't think he is. Uh <laughs> spoken like somebody whose team just won a world championship in the same division. But uh anyhow, Vince, always appreciate it. Thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at Lindsey Nelson this weekend. All right, same here. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, thank, thank you. you. Vince Ferrara, his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment.